on this Thursday. I hope everyone's doing well wherever you are, staying safe, staying positive, doing what you need to do to keep yourself prepared and ready to deal with the world as it is present going going on. Today, I wanted to do a really fun show. This is a new thing I'm thinking about doing during the week now is where I'm going to break down different Division I basketball conferences. But before I get into that, I want to talk about the Boston Celtics and Toronto Raptors game last night because I wanted to give you guys a little bit of like a four-minute segment on what I thought about that game because there are some key takeaways I did take from that game from what I watched. Now, Toronto won 125-122 to yesterday in double overtime, and it was led by Kyle Lowry, who had 33 points, Norman Powell, who had 23 points. Fred Van Fleet had 22 points. It was just a great game overall by the Raptors, showed a level of resiliency that they've had all year long. And the key takeaways I took from it were this, was the Boston Stars just did not play well enough to win that game. And you're going to say, well, Jason Tan had 29 points, and Jalen Brown had 31 points. Marcus Smart contributed 23 points, and Daniel Tice gave you 18. That's fine. You can make that argument. But look at the shooting percentages for each of those guys. Not for Tyson Smart, because those guys did well. I'm talking about the three main guards who are key for them to win this series. As Tommy Mobley and I talked about once in this podcast, if the three guards don't dominate, they're not going to win. And Jalen Brown shot 11 for 30 yesterday. Jason Tatum shot 9 of 21 yesterday to get his 29 points. Kemba Walker was 2 of 14 and had 5 points. You're not going to win many games if your leader – and one of your best players is getting five points. It's great that Daniel Tice was 9 11 and gave you 18. It's great that Marcus Smart gave you 23 points on 6 of 11 from three point range. Those are great, but you're not going to win if Kemba Walker doesn't show up. Kyle Lowry completely outplayed Kemba Walker, which is another step in my thing. The Raptors are going to win the series if Kyle Lowry continues to play big in big games, which he has done when their back's been, been against the wall. Look at that just generally, right? Kemba Walker and Kyle Lowry had his, you know, mismatched this entire series. But Kyle Lowry dominated him in the three wins they've had. He dominated him completely. Now, Kemba's also outplayed him in the three games that they've beaten the Raptors. But whenever the back's been against the wall, Kyle Lowry has really come out and really shown himself. Because Siakam had played a horrible game yesterday. He only had, like, 10, 12 points. And Fred Van Fleet didn't shoot a great percentage. You know, he's great that Norman Powell contributed and Serge Ibaka contributed. But really, if you look at it from that standpoint – Kyle Lowry dominated yesterday, and that's really, I think, what's keeping them going forward. The third thing really is, is that the fact of, is the game going to be, like I said, a slower pace, work the clock game, or is it going to be fast pace, in your face, pressure defense, <clears throat> and will that happen? Because if that happens, Boston's going to win game seven because of the fact that it's a fast paced game. Look at, I think Boston's going to win game seven. Now, I'm not as sure in that pick as I probably would have been after game five because Toronto's resiliency has been something I have really given them credit for. This is why I originally picked them to get out of the East. And I think whoever wins this series will get out of the East. I think it'll be easier for the Heat if they actually go against the Celtics because of their size issue. Now... My thing about the resiliency for the Raptors is the fact that like that goes into the fact of this series. The Raptors are resilient, right? And they're resilient and they keep on, you know, come, finding ways to come back. And that's going to make it tough for Boston going forward because the resiliency will not allow them to lose. And if that's in a fast paced game, 
the resiliency is hard to do because Boston's going to be having a lot of quick possessions. But Toronto's able to really work their defense, really slow the pace down, and they'll be able to win. It's just that, that it's, a, it's a tale of two styles, and that's really critical. And also the last thing is who's going to make the adjustments? Is Nick Nurse or Brad Stevens going to make the correct adjustments to win the game? Look at it just very critically last night. Toronto made the adjustments that they need to make. They kept Norman Powell in the game. They got good possessions down the stretch. They played great defense down the stretch. You look at Norman Powell's big steal when they were up 118 to 117 in double overtime, where he came, stole the ball, and won, put them up 121 to 117, and they never looked back. And that's really, I think, with the Raptors, again, it's just who makes this, the correct adjustments. Game five, Brad Stevens clearly came out with the better adjustments, the better scheme. Game six, Toronto did, right? So whoever does this in game seven, whoever comes out with the better schemes will be moving on. And I think based on the talent level, as long as Boston's able to run a good offense where Kemba Walker's not scoring five points, think about it. If, he, if Kemba Walker gave you 15 points yesterday, but there we, would, we wouldn't be talking to the Raptors. Boston would have moved on in six games. But credit Toronto's defense and credit the schemes done by Nick Nurse. So the schemes are going to be the reason for which team's going to go out. Now, I think it's going to be Boston, but I'm still not – I would probably say I'm 52% confident in that pick. Very, very 50-50 because of the way Toronto has come back and res- show the level of resiliency that needed to overcome the talents of the Celtics. Now I want to go down into the Big Ten Conference. Big Ten's discussing now their season start in December. So I'm going to tell you why I think certain teams are going to be higher up in that league and certain teams aren't. I got this request from Mitch Schultz of Amherst Hockey. He's from Michigan, so I'm going to make do him a good service, and I'm going to break down the, the, all these teams first. So let's go first and be really exceptional next year. So who, do I, who am I who I want to start with? Well, I'm going to start with who I think is going to win the conference, and that would be – Michigan. Michigan is going to win the conference. And that's because I think they have the most experience with guys like Isaiah Livers coming back and Franz Wagner and um, the fact they have Hunter Dickinson coming in, who's a really high-touted freshman who can really dominate that center position for them, I think, because he's very skilled. I think he can shoot, he can post up, he's big, he's pretty mobile. So I think that can actually, they're going to win the conference. Michigan State after them with Joey Hauser, Foster Lawyer, um, Aaron Henry, Joshua Langford, Xavier Tillman. I think those guys are all going to just do a great job. And I think they're going to be the second best team in the conference. Because I think the problem with them is who's their go-to score outside of Langford. I would say that could be Joey Hauser. Um, but I, Joey Hauser has shown a level of inconsistency at times when he played at Marquette as a freshman. But they're going to still be, I think, really, really good. And I think he's going to have a really good year. I just think Michigan has a little bit more of experienced talent that I would give them a slight edge. Now, the third team I would probably say would be Iowa. And the reason I think Iowa is going to be that is because they have Luke Garza, who was, you know, arguably the best player of the Big Ten last year. He averaged 24 points and around 10 rebounds a game. He can shoot the three. He can post you up. You know, again, great rebounder, clutch player, big games he really produced last year in the Big Ten. They have Joe Wieskamp, who averaged 15 points a game last year, slightly under that as a sophomore. So they're really – and they're really well coached by Coach McCaffrey. I think they're actually going to be the third best team in the conference this year. Fourth, I would say Illinois is going to be the fourth best team in the conference. And the reason I think that Illinois will be the fourth best team in the conference is because I think that from an 
offensive perspective, they are they are arguably one of the top two teams, I think, offensively in the conference. Kofi Cockburn, I played with him AAU-wise, unbelievable talent at seven at 6'11, 280. He just, you know, can dominate inside, really strong, very physical, you know, great low post. You know, gave you, you know, 15 and 10. He was a big 10 freshman of the year last year. Then Ayo Demancho is also a guy who scored over 400 something points last year. And he's just a big, big time scorer. And again, they can score the likes of anyone. They were a top 25 team and they were a young team last year. So I put them four. At five, that's toss up for me. I personally am going to go with Rutgers for that because I think Rutgers with Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. and the emergence of guys like Montez Mathis and Paul Mulcahy and guys like that are going to be the reason I think they get over the hump. Why? Because I think Geo Baker's a very big time player in clutch moments. Ron Harper is a top 10 small forward in the country. I played against Ron Harper in high school. Good. He's a friend of mine, you know, great player. And I think he's going to take the next step in his evolution this year. He's averaging around 12 last year. I think he's going to jump that to about 16 to 17 a game this year. And I think that's going to be the big next step for Ron Harper is getting that, really being the number one option consistently. Not, you know, being able to really do what he did at the end of the year, but do that consistently. And I think he will be able to do that because I think his work ethic is going to get him there. Now at six, that's a, that's a bit of a toss. That's a tough one for me. I probably am going to go with Ohio State there. Despite the fact that Kyle Young graduates early, I think that they still have enough talent to make it interesting for teams. Um, I think it will be between them. I think it'll be six will be to be between them and Nebraska or Purdue. They're all going to be fighting for that six to eight range. And right now I'd probably say Ohio State just because I trust their experience more. Um, at seven, I'm probably going to go – with Nebraska, and that's a really hot take. Some of you are be like, "Why are you going to Nebraska?" Because of all the transfers they have coming in. They have a transfer from Western Kentucky. They have a transfer from Arizona, and they have Fred Hoiberg as their head coach, who's proven at the college level to be an exceptionally good head coach. I think that's going to be the good step in their evolution. Purdue, I have is eight because I think Purdue has interesting young pieces coming back. Um, they have a good freshman that's seven foot three, named Zach Eddie coming back. They have Aaron Weaver coming back. They have, uh, you know, Stefan uh, Yankovic coming back, um, or Sebastian Yankovic. So I think that's going to be a big piece for them coming forward. And the fact that like they have the ability to really be exceptional, I think. Now, I think Wisconsin would probably be after them. Um, and again, like I think all those teams six to nine can like flip flop each other. I think they're all good enough to beat each other. Wisconsin, I think, is just a little young. I think they don't have enough scores yet. I think losing Ethan Happ is actually a big loss for them that people don't realize. Now, they do have Nate Reavers, who's a good player. Brad Davison, who's a good player. Um, Micah Potter is a very athletic big who's going to be transferring in, who I think is actually going to be a good piece for them. And I also think that uh, Demetrius Trice um, could be a very interesting piece as well if he's able to play consistently. Now, I'd probably go Penn State next because Penn State – was very good last year, but they lose their best options. And I think that's going to hurt them going forward. Without, their, without Lamar Stevens, without, without Carr, I think that's going to really derail them down a little bit and not allow them to be the best team they can be. Northwestern, I probably have after them. I just do in Minnesota. I just don't think both of those teams are really that exceptional. Um, I think the loss of Daniel Oderu for Minnesota is a huge loss. And but I think that's going to be the next step in their evolution is to see if, if a guy like Gabe, uh, Gabe on their team 
can really do a great thing for Minnesota. I think he's inconsistent. I think Odoru really was their team, and I think that's going to be a hurting them going forward. And I have Northwestern because I just don't think Northwestern has a lot of talent, and I think that they're – well, coach, they play hard, but they're, they just don't have a very solid big guy. And Ryan Greer and uh, Anthony Gaines are just – you know, they're, they're good players, but I don't really trust them to beat other teams in Big Ten. So those are my – that's my breakdown. Now, um, I think, again, Minnesota could be higher if they had Odoru. If they had Odoru, I'd probably put them top six. But they're bottom end because I think he was the real reason they were really good. I think Purdue's lower because Matt Harms' loss is a big loss. And I think that Nebraska's higher because of Hoiberg. I think also um, – I think Wisconsin, though, I put them in nine below Purdue. I think Wisconsin could be a really shocking team if they play well together. That's where I go. But I think they still have enough scores without Ethan Happ. So, again, Michigan is my, key, is my pick to win the conference. And I think that's good based on, like I said, the experience, talent that they have. And the fact that Jawan Howard is a good coach – that they have a good culture in Michigan. I think the Big Ten Conference will be really good, and I think that's like my simple breakdown of where I see this conference going. Now, next week, I'm going to break down the Atlantic 10 Conference, which will be interesting because I just talked to a former AU teammate of mine, and a good buddy of mine, Sloan Seymour, who did talk about who did talk about this and break it down. So I'm really excited to get into that, talk a lot about that with, with just about the, where I think his team will be and what that conference is overall. And again, uh, just stay in touch with the podcast. There will be a clip up on YouTube in a little bit, and this will be on Apple Podcasts and everything like that later. So I encourage you guys to give in to next week. And um, I hope you guys have a good Thursday in this great country. And I hope you guys are doing a great job and um, are fighting for things that you think are worth fighting for and are staying as positive as you need to stay positive for. So thank you again for tuning in to my podcast. Have a good one, everyone. If you like that clip, like and subscribe to hear more from Shred Takes podcast show and be in touch for more stuff coming up weekly.